Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Turning there, let me just give you an explanation. We began a series last week. We're calling this series called Helping the Hurting. And we believe that there are people that, even as Christians, can go through seasons of hurt struggles where they've been disappointed, feel like they've been beaten up, where they've got a lot of questions and not a lot of answers. So we're gonna talk about why and what and how. And we're talking about helping the hurting. You may say, well, I'm not hurting right now. Well, that's great. Then you can help somebody that is. You can bring somebody to church that might be going through a great trial. And you can know that when they get here, they're gonna hear a message that's going to help the hurting. Hebrews chapter 11, two verses, verses six and seven. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah being warned of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. A man builds a boat who's never seen it rain, by faith. Jesus, we pray today that each person here, no matter what their spiritual condition, would receive something that would strengthen them, anchor them in truth, give them hope, and give them faith to build an ark for the storms that will come, and we'll give you the thanks and praise in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, you may be seated. Praise God. How many of you are looking forward to fasting? Hey, there's a few. I just want you to know that this is what breaks the bands of wickedness. This is what refreshes us and revives us. You may not, uh, you may wanna consider not only food in your fast, you might even wanna consider technology. You might even wanna consider movies and television and things like that. Things that will, we wanna do things that will help us draw closer to God. We have some specific targets. And one of those targets is right back there. We're praying and fasting for the Franklin family and their needs and other needs throughout our congregation. So thank you for your efforts. And um, I know it's gonna be a rough few days for some of you, especially the first three, but it is going to yield a great harvest. Amen. Now today we're talking about helping the hurting and we're we're gonna talk about Denial, denial. Denial is not just a river in Egypt. Denial is acting as though things aren't happening that really are. I heard a story recently about um, a terrible, this was in the summer obviously, thank you for coming out in this winter storm. I really appreciate that. But this was a summer storm, and the forecast was that there was going to be great flooding. 
And so people, many of them boarded up their homes, uh, several of them evacuated the area, and the reporters, of course, as long as they could with their TV cameras were out uh, interviewing people as the rains came down and, and as it got worse and worse, one reporter braved it the longest and she found a woman that was up on her roof and re- had refused to come down. And she said, well, we've just decided we're gonna, we're gonna go through this storm and we go- are going to endure this storm to the end. And he said, ma'am, he said, your car has floated away. And she said, I know that. And, and he said, ma'am, it appears that your house may even be moving. Your house may be the next thing that floats away. You need to be rescued, get off of that house. And she said, no, I, I can't do that. And then finally the reporter noticed that there was a hat that was floating in the water and it appeared to be going downstream. That wasn't so odd, but then the reporter noticed that the hat came back upstream. And then it went downstream and it came upstream. And, and he said to the woman, what could that possibly be? What is that hat? And the woman said, well, my husband said, that he was gonna mow the lawn today come hell or high water. And he won't quit mowing that lawn. We can be mowing the lawn, and I like mowing the lawn, we can be mowing the lawn while our house is floating away. We can be distracted about things that are not nearly as important as a flood in our lives. And we can do that, we can do it through Denial. We need to ask ourselves this question every day. Who's in charge here? Who's in charge here? How many of you have ever been frustrated at a store in getting a runaround about a returning an item or about questions on a warranty or things like that? Have you ever had that frustration? I know I have. And here's one of the things that I've learned. I no longer just talk to a clerk because they always say, I don't know, and I don't know who would know, or I'm not sure that anybody knows. That's not the kind of person you want to talk to. You need to ask, who's your supervisor? Who's in charge that I can talk to that will help me with this problem? We need to know who's in charge of our lives. Prayer is not telling God what we want him to do, it's reporting for duty because we recognize he's in charge. He has the final say. He can change the situation. We need to keep God in charge. And when we think that we're in charge, that's when we end up in grave danger. If we're suffering, remember last week we talked about these things. If we're suffering from fear, frustration, fatigue, and failure, it's because we're in charge. And we know that we can't manage our own lives and we can't fix and control things that are greater than we are. So let's talk about denial a little bit for just a few minutes. Denial is not your friend. Denial will never help you out of a problem, but it is the first thing that we do. The first thing that we do 
when we encounter something great or horrific is we deny it, we stick our heads in the sand, so to speak, and we act as if it's not happening. Do you know that uh, Brother, Brother Kylie will tell you this as police chaplains, we are trained as police chaplains that when we have to give a death notification, that the first thing that we do once we get inside the house is we ask the people to please be seated. Would you please sit down? Here's why. Because when you have to tell somebody that somebody has just died in an automobile accident, the first thing they want to do is deny. That did not happen. You are lying to me. They will call you a liar. And at some times, they will become so angry and upset with you in your, their denial that they will begin to attack you physically. They do not want to believe the news that you have brought to them. They first go to denial and they cause you a liar and they take out their anger on you. So you have to have them seated so that the police officer can intercede if they jump up and start beating on you. But that's what people do, they deny it. And we have got to understand that the first thing we have to do in our problem is admit we've got a problem. Admit we've got a problem, and that's, that's not always fun. We'll say things like, oh, I'm fine. You did it today, I'll bet. I'll bet you greeted some people around you today, and they said, how you doing? And you said, fine. Oh, I'm doing great. And you put that smile on your face, didn't you? Because nobody likes a whiner and a complainer. And, well, if I... Have you got a few minutes? Well, really I don't, so, uh, but thanks anyway. But we wanna give the impression that everything is fine. Everything's okay. I don't have a problem. And then, even if there is a problem, and we get past that dimension, the next dimension that we go to is, you're the problem, not me. I don't have a problem, you have a problem. Let me take you back in history to those of you that are a little older now. Did you ever have any fights with your brothers and sisters? Ever get into any scrapes, disagreements? What's the first thing that you say when your parents confront both of you? He, he started it. She started it. She said it. He hit me first. He took this from me. That's what we do. We want to, and sometimes it's true. I'm not saying you should become a liar. But oftentimes, whenever there's a fight, nobody's willing to admit, well, we're both wrong. Neither one of us handled the situation correctly. We want to blame Someone else. My what? You know why I've got it now? This is not me, but this is what I hear sometimes. Well, we had a divorce. Well, what went wrong? Well, my wife. No, no, the problem was my husband. I'm a great Christian. I love God. I love family. But my husband or my wife just doesn't fulfill my needs just doesn't respect me, 
just doesn't appreciate me, doesn't listen to me. I found somebody else that would listen to me, somebody that would appreciate me and respect me. Well, that won't last long. If that's all you want out of a marriage, you're gonna be disappointed. You have got to learn to fulfill your role and let God deal with the other person about fulfilling their role. Even with the believer and the unbeliever, listen to what the scripture says. The unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. What does that mean? It means that because there's one believer in the home and that believer is practicing their Christianity, that God has separated that other person and is dealing with them on a regular basis. They are sanctified and set apart. Now, if there's no believers, there's no sanctification. But if there's one believer in a marriage, there's sanctification and God is dealing with that person. Now, that doesn't mean that it'll necessarily be easy for the marriage. They can be grumpy and crabby and short-tempered, but that's not just them. It's God dealing with them. And we don't always respond favorably to the way that God even deals with us. So if we don't respond favorably to the way that God deals with us, can we expect more from our spouse? I don't think so. But we have to believe that if we will do the right thing, God will continue to deal with them. And we have to stop blaming other people and start accepting responsibility for our own actions. I learned this at Celebrate Recovery a couple of uh, weeks ago. A woman put up a sign, I might have even mentioned it last week. She put the sign up, I stopped finding anyone to blame. So who do you think is left? Moi, me. Most of the time, this is what I found. I at least have a part in every problem. You know, I've heard that insurance companies nowadays want to determine percentages of blame in accidents. Did you know that you can park your car and if somebody hits your parked car, you still have a percentage of blame in that accident just for being in that spot. So they're they're saying, as an insurance company, there's a certain amount of blame for everything that happens. And whatever the percentage of the blame is really doesn't matter because the, the percentage of the blame that's on me is the part that I need to be concerned with about getting that right with God and right with them. Yeah, that's right. Let me lighten it up for you a little bit. You may have have seen uh, this in a cartoon at one time or another, but it was an advertisement for a lost dog. The dog had been lost, and so the person that sent the article in said, gave a description of the dog. The dog has one ear, lost an eye, walks on three legs and answers to the name Lucky. (laughs) Now that's denial. The dog is not lucky. He's had a rough go of it, right? 
Sometimes that's the way that we are as people. Now, here's the antidote. Here's what happens with God if we deny, if we get into denial. You know what follows denial? Pain. How many of you like pain? I don't see any. Every time I go to the dentist, the dentist always asks me, do you have any new allergies? And I said, just one, pain. I do not like pain. And I guess none of you like pain either. So if we don't like pain, we have to deal with denial. But first, let me just take a a few moments to prove to you that God uses pain because we are in our denial. Proverbs 30, verses eight and nine. The antidote for denial is pain. Remove from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and I deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and I steal and take the name of the Lord in vain. This is a passage of scripture that every one of us needs to live by because I've seen it and so have you. When we go through a really, really rough time in our lives, we tend to come back to God. The pain that we're going through, that we tried to deny existed initially, has become so big in our lives that we have no one to turn to but God. Now you've got two choices. You can either call on God or you can blame God. Did you know, excuse me for scattering this thought a little bit, but did you know that 96% of Americans, it was asked, do you even believe in God? 96% of Americans said they do believe in God. Isn't that, does that alarm you? I didn't think the number would be that high. But they say that they believe in God. Now it doesn't say that they love God, doesn't say that they're willing to serve God or submit to God, just said that they believe there is a God. Now some people love God and some people hate God. And some people blame God for everything. Let me ask you this. If you say that you are not, that number one, you don't believe in God, or number two, you will not serve God or obey God, then how can you blame God for what you think he caused? You can't. This is something that's, that's always bothered me about something that I see pretty prevalent in our society. I don't believe in God. I believe my own, I'm my own God. I have a right to make my own decisions. And as soon as a catastrophe hits, they say, how could God allow that? How could God allow a group like ISIS? How could God allow a catastrophe like 9-11? Why doesn't God intercede and stop such a thing from happening? We tell God to beat it. We're not interested. 
We're not interested in your word. We're not interested in your will. We're not interested in serving you. But when things go wrong, we'll blame you for it. If God is not allowed to be in control, then he shouldn't be blamed. And I'm not defending him. He doesn't need my defense. But I am using some logic here. See, as a Christian, it's different. We we live by a different set of rules. We know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. His purpose for our life means that anything that happens to me happens with his approval or his direction. And it's gonna be good in the end. Doesn't mean it's good right now. But he's perfecting something in me. But it's not so with the world. The world is confused by bad things that happen. They don't understand, but we do. So I I think it is a good thing for us to never be rich nor poor. That's what David said. He said, if I'm rich, I might forget you. If I'm poor, I might steal. But we should be thankful for the provision that God gives us every day. Manna, every day, every day. But this pain that comes on our lives is actually the antidote for the denial that exists in our lives. Do you know that even confrontation, if your words are are spoken kindly, and somebody tells you as it is, is a good thing. Let me give you an example. If somebody comes up to you, and there are some people that will, they will get right in your face. You know, um, I just had a breath now. And I mean, they're right in your face. You'd like to say, Could you back up a little bit? And they got bad breath. I mean, I don't, they didn't brush or they don't know, they've never experienced a breath mint. Teeth are yellow. And they get in your face and you you want to back away from them. In most cases, you will just back away to a comfortable distance where you can't smell them anymore. But some people, they will say, you got bad breath. The reason I'm telling you that is the next group of people you talk to might not say anything, but you need to know you got bad breath. There's some mints in the pulpit. Not too many people would do that. But people that really care about you... You might want to mention it sometime. And those are really your friends. You know, I mean, then if you tell them that, they won't have everybody in the church backing away from them. They begin to think that there's something wrong. Somebody's got to tell them there is. Breath mints right in the pulpit. Help yourself after service today. Might be good. (laughs) Catastrophe brings us to God. The loss of a job 
could bring us to God. We acknowledge our need of him. So the bad things that happen in our lives actually turn out for good. I remember 2007 was the uh, summer of 2007 that I, I had my first kidney stone. Boy, you never want to have one of those. Ooh, they are really, really bad. But I had the kidney stone, used up my deductible, and decided since for six years I had ignored my doctor and not gotten a colonoscopy that I was going to get one. And that's when I found out that I had, had uh, colon cancer. But before I found out that I had colon cancer, in the early part of December, I was seeking a theme. Sometimes I like to use a theme for a year, sometimes I don't. But in that particular year, it was gonna, the next year was gonna be 2008. So I like to have these little rhymes, keeps people, they pay more attention, so to speak. And so I came up with this little rhyme. And my theme for 2008 is gonna be Proving God Great, 2008. That sound like a good theme? I mean, I really felt good about it. God gave me this theme. Proving God Great, 2008. And before 2008 can arrive, on December the 14th of 2007, I am diagnosed with colon cancer. Yippee! Isn't that great news? Going to be a great year, 2008. You got colon cancer. Think of it. Chemo, radiation. Wear a bag. Have a great surgery. It's not great. It's not good news. I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it but God allowed it. I don't think God gave me cancer, but I think he allowed cancer in my life. See, we have a tendency to come up with themes for other people when we fail to realize that the first person that's gonna be impacted by what God is saying is us. And what God was really saying was, I'm gonna prove how great I am through your difficulty, through your sickness, through your pain, through your fear. That's how I'm gonna do it. I could have just said, well, you know what, doc, you're wrong. I don't have colon cancer. I could just go to denial. Or I could go to the other extreme and believe every word that they say and believe that they have the final say. That's a mistake too. The truth of the matter is only one person has the final say. And only one person can heal you and deliver you. And he may take that adversity and that pain and that suffering that you're going through and turn it around for his glory and for your good. That's a message I preached just a few weeks ago in this church. For God's glory, for my good. And so the things that we go through that are so difficult that we don't want, 
Those are the things that are going to bring us back to God and closer to God. And it's also going to bring other people closer to God. I'm going to really step out on a limb here today. But even the situation that the Franklin family is going through is impacting their family immensely. But is it impacting our family? Is there anybody here that cares? That will intercede in prayer? Is there anybody that will say, hey, we're gonna do everything we know to try and help the Franklin family and Marge Franklin in particular by bombarding heaven with prayer and with fasting and with intercession? Because we're the family of God. And is it possible that God could get glory out of this, that souls could be born into the kingdom of God, that Marge could be healed? It'll tighten the family up, I know that. Anytime there's problems in the family, you know what we do? We gather together and we pray, don't we? So you're proving my point. That pain is the antidote for denial. Now you have a sheet, and I know you, those of you that are following may want to fill in some blanks, and I'll try and remind you um, of where those are. I'm on point number three now, the answer. The answer for our denial and for our pain is to earnestly believe that God, here's the first blank, exists that I matter to him, that's the second, and that he has power to help me. If you just got this out of this message today, it would have been worth your time fighting through a snowstorm to get here. I'm gonna say it again. I believe that God exists. I believe that I matter to him, and I believe that he has the power to help me. He is the anchor of my soul. He is the hope that I need. I need to acknowledge God's existence. God does exist. God does care. God does hear. And God still saves. But I need to acknowledge his existence. Because where there is a creation, there must be a creator. Where there is an effect, there must be a cause. Where there is design, there must be a designer. Proverbs 139 and 14 says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Romans 1 and 20 says, the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that we are without excuse. Psalms 19 and 1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Aren't you glad to know that God exists and created all things. But you know what, there's a lot of people, and I listened to Brother Larson today do a wonderful job in our family Bible study and and talk about the man that brought him 
to God and, and about home Bible studies, and it was like I had a flashback about the person that witnessed to me and first started in Genesis chapter one with, in the beginning, God. Folks, this needs to continue to be a home Bible study church. We need to do everything we can to help the hurting, but we need to expose them to the truth of God's word. If you don't know how to teach a Bible study, jump in with Brother Cordell on Monday nights and learn how to teach one. Bring your friends to a home Bible study that they might know that they have a purpose and a reason for living. Every ministry that we have in this church is for the lost as well as the saved. We don't wanna have any ministry that is not going to bless the hurting. That's why we have a celebrate recovery. That's why on Thursday nights, you know somebody's hurting, they're going, you think the Franklins are the only people in the world that are going through these kinds of problems? They rub shoulders with you every day. Who's gonna help them and who's gonna minister to them? Who's gonna promote hope? Who's gonna give an answer for the hope that lies in us? Well, somebody will. You're living in denial. You're the one because you're the only Jesus some will ever see. You're the only words of life that some will ever read. You're the only one. Don't put that on the church. Accept it as your mission in life. We are disciples commissioned by God. So we need to take what we receive on a Sunday morning and say, can I apply it to the workplace? How does this help my my friends? heard a story about two boys that went to a Christian school. A lot was expected of them, but apparently they had both done something wrong, and I'm not going to mention what that was, but the principal isolated them. He wanted to hear both of their stories, so he left one young boy in the hall, and he brought the other one into his office, and he recited the incident. And the little boy had his say, and then the principal said, and where is God in all this situation? Where's God in all this? The little boy said, well, I don't know. He said, well, you better find out. Where is God in this situation? Now you can leave my office. And the little boy left, and he walked out, and his friend was in the hallway, and the other boy looked up at him and said, watch out, the principal doesn't know where God is and they're trying to blame us. That's the way children think. We have a God who is not far from any one of us who can be touched with the feelings and infirmities that we have. He's our high priest. We should not deny him Number four, we need to understand God's character. Colossians 1.15 says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things and by him All things exist. I'm glad to know who I believe in. 
Because you see, once you know that, you will know that item A, God knows all about my situation. Psalm 56 and eight says, thou tellest my wanderings, you have put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? God catches every tear, records every prayer. Just because he didn't answer in your time or the way that you wanted him to. He is aware. He hears and he sees everything. God cares. God cares about my situation. He wept over Jerusalem. You can read it on your own. Item C, God can change me and he can change my situation. But sometimes the order in which he does things is not what we expect. We want God to change our situation when God wants to change us. He can do that. And then item number D. I need to accept the fact that God wants to help me. God wants to help me. This is, I want to read to you this passage. Psalm 121 and verse 1. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer my foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my shade upon my right hand. The sun will not smite me by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will preserve me from evil. He will preserve my soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Sounds to me like God really does care. And he really is willing to help. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We need to acknowledge our need of God and we need to ask for help. And we need to be aggressive. Knock, seek, ask. And sometimes we get the order all mixed up. There needs to be an aggressiveness. At our house, I noticed this the other, the other day, a three-pronged outlet. You know, the, when you plug something into the wall, it used to be only two plugs came out. Now there's a third silver circle type thing. Do you know what that represents? That re represents this. See, when we lift our hands and we acknowledge that we're not in control and that we need God's help, we are actually plugging in one, two, three, plugging in to the heavenly. And God has the power if I plug something into a wall, I expect le electricity to do the rest. But I have to plug in before the electricity does what only it can do. And I don't even understand electricity. But I know how to turn on a light. And I know how to plug in to an outlet. And that's what we need to do when we're hurting. And that's what we need to do when we see other people that are hurting around us is help them to plug in. 
Let's stand together. I'm gonna read this passage of scripture before I invite you to the altar this morning. Don't deny your problem. Confess it. How do I plug in? Believe and receive. Isaiah 43 and one. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walk through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou was precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved you. Therefore, will I give men for thee and people for your life. Fear not, I'm with you. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, this is the way we pray even, we use this in prayer. I will say to the north, give up. I will say to the south, keep not back. Bring your sons from far and daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. That's what you're created for. And I have formed him, yea, I have made him. You are the most important thing that God ever created. And he wants to help. Jesus, I pray today as we come to this altar that we'd come with a spirit of expectancy and hope for hope is the anchor of our soul. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at AbundantLifeChurch.org.